from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Presented by 2020lifestyles.com. This is The Blitz. The first look at the top stories in Seattle sports. They don't make a lot good. We're not like everybody else. The rundown on everything Seattle sports on your way to work. Swing and a fly ball. Deep right center field. He did it again. And the stories everyone is talking about. We got This is the Blitz at 6. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Friday, July 31st. We made it to the end of the week. We made it to the end of the month. Can you believe it? We now have multiple sports to pick from when selecting on television. Pretty spoiled right now. Yesterday, the NBA returned. We'll discuss some of that action later this evening, but also the Mariners getting a win and a series win, their first of this truncated season yesterday over the Halos down in Anaheim. And it was our first opportunity to hear and speak with Jamal Adams, the all-pro safety since he was traded to the Seahawks. He had a lot to say about why he wanted to come to Seattle, why uh, he wanted to play for Pete Carroll and his connection already with Quandre Diggs, with Bobby Wagner, where he sees himself fitting into this defense. So all ahead in this hour, we'll also hear from Bobby as well as training camps are underway. Let's get to it. Without further ado, jam-packed hour ahead. And as I mentioned, NFL training camps now underway. Yesterday was our first opportunity to chat with new Seahawk All-Pro Safety Jamal Adams. The two-time Pro Bowler opened his media session with a plea for justice in the killing of Breonna Taylor. Well, you know, man, first off, man, I, before we get started today, I, I definitely want to, you know, show my love and support. I, um, you know, I, I, I say uh, we need to arrest the, the murderers of Breonna Taylor. Um, my, my, my thoughts and prayers are with her and her family and many others. Um, and we are fighting for justice. Wanted to make that clear, uh, a cause near and dear to many's hearts right now. But Taylor killed in her home by Louisville Metro Police Department officers back on March 13th of this year. Jamal Adams also discussing the trade that landed him here in Seattle and said he prayed on this. Can't believe this is where he ended up. You know, I asked God, you know, to place me where I needed to be, whether that was to go back to New York or whether that's to be traded. And this is my calling, man. I'm here. I'm here to stay. And I'm I'm excited to be a Seattle Seahawk, like I said, and I'm 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 really overwhelmed. But at the same time, man, it, it's so surreal um, to be around great uh, a great organization like Seattle, um, and to to be coached by um, legendary coaches, Hall of Fame coaches, playing with Hall of Famers um, from Russ to Bobby, KJ, Bruce Irvin, um, Quandre. The list goes on and on, man. I, I'm just excited to be to be here. Um, I'm, I'm here to help. And, you know, I can't wait to get out there in front of the 12s, man. Jamal Adams also mentioning Seattle's brotherhood. That was another reason that he wanted to come here and also admitting uh, Texas native. But he's never been to Seattle, but excited to get here. Thoughts on playing for Pete Carroll in particular. Pete's a guy that, you know, the first time we had a conversation, he said, man, I'm going to let you be you. He's not going to change me. He's just going to he's going to help me. He's going to coach me. And that's. That's what I want. I want to be coached. I want to be coached hard. I've always wanted to be coached hard. And I've been very fortunate um, from high school all the way up until leaving the Jets with Denard Wilson, man, being coached by some of the, the top defensive back coaches around the league in, in college, Coach Corey Raymond. I mean, it, it it's always been hard coaching ever since my father growing up. And I, that's what I want. I want to be coached hard. I, I want to be told if 
something's not right, let's fix it. Let's get it done because everything has to be precise. Jamal Adams also spoke on his departure from New York and why he made his uh, feelings about the Jets public. Well, man, you know, listen, uh, I have nothing but love and respect for a lot of those guys over there in, in, in that organization. I wish them well. I really do. Um, I know a lot of people might, you know, think I'm, it's not coming from the heart, but it really is, man. And I, I, I'm pulling for him. Um, Ash, Ashton Davis re- reached out to me. Um, he's he's been reaching out through the whole process, and um, you know he's the new rookie safety that they drafted. A hell of a player. I'm a big fan, and um, you know I told him I said, man, I'm I'm here to help you. I said he you know he wished me well. He's you know he said he wished he could play with me, but I said, man, I'm here to help you. I know the defense in and out. Any questions you have, bro, I'm I'm going to help you. You can hit me on anything. I don't care what I'm doing. I will take the time out to help you, and I and I mean that. I, I really do. And you know, obviously Marcus May and. Brian Poole is still over there. Bless son. Or there's so many guys that I'm going to miss, man. And, and, and you know, Marcus is, is finally going to get the respect he deserves. Also added that he's really focused on being a Seahawk right now. How about some of the chatter out there around how much the Seahawks gave up for him? Some people believing that it was too much. What did Adams have to say about that? And at the end of the day, man, you have to realize uh, – you know, everybody's going to have an opinion about something, right? You know what I mean? And um, at the end of the day, I have to go out there and continue to do what I do, um, continue to learn. Um, and, you know, that that's that's what matters. Because at the end of the day, people that really know ball and watch ball and know me, the whole box safety word is just, it's, it, it doesn't even matter. You know what I mean? Because if you just turn on the film, I do a little bit more than just stay in the box, right? So, um, you know, I, I'm excited to go out there and, 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 and compete um, at the end of the day. Opinions, opinions is going to be a, it, like everybody's going to have their opinion. So it, it's going to happen. Um, I can't control that as long as I can just control um, what I do on the field and what I do off the field. That's what matters the most. What kind of personality is Adams bringing to the team? You know, a lot of fun and juice, man. Uh, a lot of energy. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a fun guy. Um, but when it comes down to ball, we're talking ball and, and we're going to get down to business. But uh, I, I'm a jokester, man. I like to have fun. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, um, I love I love great guys. Um, I love guys that, you know, have relationships off the field um, that are that are doing special things in the community. Um, you know, marketing wise, like Bobby and, and, and Russ, those are two guys that I plan to learn from and hopefully, you know, uh, get some nuggets from those guys as far as what they do off the field, man, because it's it's unbelievable how they're killing the game right now, and I salute them. Jamal Adams on how he'll fit in here with the defense, first of all, saying that he's here to compete, that there's no role, nothing's given to him. Well, man, at the end of the day, I'm here I'm here to compete. Um, I, 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 there's no starting role for me. Um, I have to earn it, and, and, and that's what it's always been about for me. Um, you know, you don't just come into a situation and expect to be there. Um, there's a lot of ton of a ton of talent out here, um, a ton of guys that's fighting for the, those positions. Um, and at the end of the day, no one really has a, a a starting position yet, man. Everybody's competing. That's what training camp is for. And um, the best eleven will be out there. So you know, hopefully, I'm in the rotation. Hopefully, I'm starting. Um, and, and that's that's my mindset going into it. Jamal Adams saying he's willing to do whatever the Seahawks need. He's also spoken with Bobby Wagner and really enjoyed chatting with him about it. Excited to play with Bobby in particular. I mean, I'm excited to play with him and, and plenty of other guys. Um, the, the, the secondary is so talented. Uh, you know, Dre has done a, a hell of a job. 
Coach Pete has done a hell of a job with those guys and uh, bringing in, you know, younger guys and just being, just having so much energy and, and swagger and passion, man. It's all on the defensive side. And I told the guys yesterday, man, it's, it's going to start with the defense, the, the, the DBs. Like, we set the tone. Anytime we step on the field, we have to set the tone. He also talks about his relationship with Quandre Diggs. Sounds like they go back to even college recruiting days, both Texas natives as well. He said he's like a brother to him, so pr- plenty of familiarity there as well. Uh, Jamal Adams also marking his admiration for the Legion of Boom and having the most respect for all the guys that were in that unit. But he did talk about creating a new legacy on the Seahawks defense. Their chapter is over with, and, and we have to, you know, as a defensive group um, and as a, a, a defensive back, you know, group, we have to create our own legacy, right? And I have, like I said, I have nothing but respect for those guys. Um, hopefully, you know, I reach, I'm, I'm going to reach out to Ch- um, um, Cam uh, very soon. Um, I haven't talked to Earl yet and, and Sherm, but all those guys have my respect, man. And, and I, I have nothing. I, I take my hats off for them. Um, all, all we can do is control what we can control and write our own story and, um, go from there, man. I'm excited to, you know, play in front of the 12s, um, that loud stadium. They say, you know, it, it's very similar to uh, my, my college days as far as, you know, uh, Baton Rouge fans. So I'm excited, man, and uh, I, I can't wait to get started. LSU fans, the 12s, yeah, might be up there. Jamal Adams on the chances he's here long term. Well, you know, man, that's not that's not something that, you know, um, you know I, I'm really focused on. I, I'm obviously, you know, those things will take care of itself. Um, again, I'm here to play ball. Um, you know, Mr. Mr. Snyder and, and and Coach Pete Carroll, these guys brought me in, and, and you know, I'm here to play. I'm, I'm here to play football, man. Um, I'm here to help help those guys win. Um, and, well, continue to win, should I say? Um, and you know, like I said, we'll, we'll let those other things take care of itself. Adam's not worried about that contract extension at the moment, right now. Uh, also, saying his plan is to retire here in Seattle. The plan is to retire. Here. You know what I mean? That That is my plan. But obviously, you know, those things handle themselves when, when all you have to do is just go on the field and perform, do the right things on and off the field. Um, and, and those things will take care of itself, man. So I'm, I'm very excited to be here. Um, I, I know the rest of the guys is, you know, excited to have me and um, the coaching staff and, and everybody else. So, I, again, man, we'll, we'll worry about that when the time comes. Nice to hear from him. We'll have a couple more sound bits from Jamal Adams later in this hour, as well as Bobby Wagner on how that defense might evolve in 2020. Up next on the Blitz, so the Mariners beating the Angels 8-5 to yesterday for their third, th- first excuse me, first series win of the year of the truncated season. And Kyle Lewis continuing his hitting streak. Marco Gonzalez pitching into the seventh late in the game, and that cutter is lethal, man. We'll discuss next right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is The Blitz. Welcome back to The Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Friday, July 31st. Mentioned it earlier, but felt a little spoiled yesterday when we had multiple sports to pick from on television, switching back and forth between the NBA's return and being able to watch the Mariners yesterday. Just feeling pretty spoiled now in 2020. Greater appreciation for that. We'll dig into the results from the NBA's return yesterday, the Battle of LA, uh, most notably later in the evening. But uh, up first, speaking of L.A., the Mariners getting a series win there, beating the Angels 8-5 to yesterday for their 
third victory of the season, their first series win of this truncated 2020 60-game year uh, after taking two of three from the Halos. Ready? Here's the 3-2 pitch. Swung on ground ball right side. And right there is Shedlong. He's got it. The throw to first to get Ward. And the ball game is over. The Mariners win at a final score of 8-5. to five, And they win the series here in Anaheim. Two games to one. The Mariners come home with a record of 3-4 and four on this opening road trip of the 2020 season. Yesterday, Jose Marmalejos and Shedlong Jr. both homering. Kyle Lewis continuing his hitting streak to open up the year, and then Marco Gonzalez pitching into the seventh inning for his first win of the season. And really impressive, pitching up in the zone a little bit more than we've seen from Marco in the past. You know, primarily sinker ball, uh, change, living low in the zone, but really utilizing that cutter and kind of impressive that he's only been throwing that since 2018 because throwing it to both sides of the plate, it's been lethal against righties, able to elevate on that outside of the plate. He got Anthony Rendon in the bottom of the first. There's the pitch, the Rendon swing and a miss and a fastball up and in for strike three. Marco Gonzalez, his first strikeout of the ball game, a 1-2-3 bottom of the first inning for the Angels. And then also a couple more strikeouts for him, a Kang, uh, Justin Upton to end the bottom of the fourth. Here's the stretch. Now the 2-2 on the way to Upton. It is strike three called on the inside corner. Five strikeouts for Marco Gonzalez. He gets Upton looking at strike three, and that'll end the inning. Wow, what a start for Marco. <laughs> yeah, not bad. Uh, Marco going deep into the ball game. also a, a big message. They had a shorter time to ramp up with summer camp, and seeing Marco go pitch into the seventh inning, impressive. Scott Service mentioning that after the game. Yeah, I was very confident he would get deep into the ball game tonight. I just, you know, Marco's been throwing the ball really, really well. Uh, you know, just the pitch count got up on him a little bit last time out there. But tonight he was focused, uh, laser focused on just attacking the strike zone and uh, put guys away. Uh, really good stuff. And, um, you know, probably wouldn't have given up anything at all, you know, if we'd have made the play in front of him before the home run off the foul pole. But uh, awesome out of him. And hopefully we Taiwan can, can build on that tomorrow night back home. Six strikeouts for Marco, just one walk yesterday. He also spoke after the game and recapping his performance. Yeah, I just wanted to give us a chance to, you know, uh, take the, the majority of the innings tonight and, uh, and just command the zone, get ahead of guys. Um, that's really the standard that I hold myself to. You know, lots of strikes, moving in and out, um, and just challenging guys with the fastball. I felt like we, we did a good job tonight. Um, Joe Hudson really caught his butt off. I was, I was really proud to see him work there back tonight. It was great. On offense, congratulations to Jose Marmaleos with a three-run shot, his first. The stretch and the pitch on the way. Swing and a fly ball into right field. And deep going back, Taylor Ward. And goodbye baseball. Way back into the bleachers in right field. Jose Marmaleos, welcome to the big leagues. His first major league home run is a three-run home run here in the top of the first inning off of Dylan Bundy. Number one for Jose, and the Mariners have taken a 3-0 lead, and what a thrill for Jose Marmaleos. Dylan Bundy, no slouch either. Really impressive first outing against the Athletics, and then uh, pretty decent yesterday, except for a couple of mistakes. Shedlong Jr. also going deep in the top of the ninth, and then Kyle Lewis continuing his hit streak now at seven games. Wind up and the one-two pitch. Swinging a ground ball up the middle, base hit for Kyle Lewis. Extend his season-starting hitting streak to seven games. His first hit tonight, a one-out single, ground ball into center. 
by Kyle here in the top of the eighth inning. Holy smokes, this kid has been phenomenal. Yeah, to say the least, uh, a two-for-five night for Kyle, also adding a two-run single in the top of the ninth. J.P. Crawford also impressive, another productive night leading, uh, hitting in that leadoff spot, two-for-five with two runs and two RBI. And Jerry DePoto on the Jerry DePoto Show yesterday with Danny Gallant mentioning that Kyle Lewis and J.P. Crawford, two of the names that he's been most impressed by. Well, there's, there's a lot to choose from. I guess that would be like a one and a 1A for me would be J.P. Crawford and Kyle Lewis. Uh, I, I think both players have come so far. Uh, Kyle, for the pure impact that, that he has, both the, the ability to hit the ball out of the ballpark from pole to pole, what we're seeing from him in, in center field defensively is incredibly encouraging. And, and I've often talked about the quality of who he is, his ethic, and his, and his leadership. And, and I would say J.P. Crawford, I, I mentioned this on a couple of different episodes, but he spent his offseason addressing everything we talked to him about ending last year. The focus, I, I think that, that at that last night uh, that where he drove in the two runs after the 10 pitches epitomizes what he's done. Coming up on The Blitz, we'll hear from ESPN's Jeff Passan. How competitive can the Mariners be in the coming years? He says it depends on one major thing. Plus, we'll also hear from Mark Schlereth, who joined Bob David Moore yesterday to chat about Jamal Adams and the addition to the Seahawks defense next on The Blitz, right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to The Blitz from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Welcome back to The Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Friday, July 31st. It was cool to hear from Jamal Adams for the first time yesterday addressing the media in a lengthy talk about his excitement over coming to Seattle, feeling some uncertainty about where he would end up, but being really excited to play for Pete Carroll, a guy that when he talked to, for the first time, said, I, I don't want to change you. I want you to be exactly yourself. Uh, sounds right up Pete Carroll's alley. But Mark Schlereth yesterday joining Bob, Dave, and more to chat about what kind of impact he believes that Adams can have on the defense. How, how much of an impact does he have in terms of, you know, giving the, the pass rushers more time to get to the quarterback because of his coverage skills, his ability to occupy space and really, you know, maybe maybe shrink what the opposition may be able to do offensively? Yeah, I think there's I think there's a couple things. When you have a tandem of safeties like that where you can't pigeonhole any one guy into one thing, because Diggs is a phenomenal player, a very smart player, and I've had a, a, an opportunity to talk to him several times doing Detroit games. He's a guy that I've always liked, that I've always respected the way he plays the game. But, but again, from a versatility standpoint, I think that's the important thing. This, as an offense, you know, as an offensive player, I always wanted to know – the guys that could give us trouble, the guys that were, you know, that were a pain. And when you broke the huddle, there are certain guys that you have to kind of identify and try to figure out what they're doing. And when you have a guy that can play, like I said, multiple positions, um, it just makes it hard to designate what we're doing as an offense. So if one minute that guy is lined up as a deep safety, the next minute he's a buzz safety on the outside, the next minute he's playing linebacker, it really becomes a hard thing for us as an offense to go, okay, this is what they're in, or that's what they're doing. And for the quarterback, that makes it, you know, exceptionally difficult. And so 
like oftentimes those things don't come out in stat lines. That's why I hate guys that, or I hate it when guys, you know, just basically say, well, this guy's a better quarterback because his completion percentage is, you know, 67 and the other guys is 63. And you're like, well, you know what? There's, there's more to it than meets the eye. There's more to it than numbers can break down. And that's what a guy like Adams who will put up numbers, but he just makes it tough on you as a defense to designate what exactly they're playing. And the more confusion you have, the more hesitation you play with, the more hesitation you play with, the worse you are as an offense. Yeah. Hey, uh, let me ask you, Mark, about uh, some of the offensive linemen. So for, for the Seahawks uh, here, and, you know, I'd argue, and you would too probably, that that's without a lot of practices, you know, that where they can have like 12 or 14 and, you know, that are in pads, it's going to be tough for O-lines to, to come together. I don't know what you think of Mike Solari. I think he's one of the better O-line coaches here, but... How much is that going to have an effect? Is that, that, is that the, the position group, do you think, that will probably struggle the most because of the lack of practices and, and off-season moves? And then for the Seahawks, um, quite a few new faces, including a new center. Yeah, a, lo- a lot of new faces. Obviously, continuity there is really important. And um, I don't know how much you know the, the kid from Pittsburgh at center, what's his name, F- uh, is it Finney? Finney? Yeah, yeah I, I don't know how much he's played in the past. I really don't know that kid. Um, I just don't know how much that kid has played. I don't. I don't really know his background. Um, continuity is really important at that position. Obviously, um, playing together is really important at that position. Um, you know, your your ability to rely on one another and know what you're doing and and understand all those calls and and like I said, the communication aspect of that is is really important. So. Um, I think that's one place in the NFL in general that has, has struggled. And I've talked to your general manager about that, you know, um, when I've done Seattle games, just about um, continuity and about production and about nuance of that position and how, you know, I've talked with John about how, you know, the, the rules have really limited your ability. I've talked to Mike Solari about that as well. So, like, they're, they're completely aware of it, but it's a – like that's not just a Seattle. It's just not endemic of, of it's endemic of the whole league. It's not just a Seattle issue. It's a league wide issue uh, with offensive line. So it, it is one of those things um, that is really really difficult. And I'm with you. I think Mike is a, a phenomenal offensive line coach. So, um, but I think you know ultimately has his work cut out for him. There's no question. Schlaer's full interview online at 710sports.com. Even had some thoughts on Joe Kelly and the Astros in that conversation. Also in the afternoon yesterday, Jeff Passan joining the show. And he had some thoughts on, first of all, MLB, the recent outbreak with the Marlins and how uh, confident he feels in the MLB being able to complete their season this year. Plus, thoughts on the Mariners being competitive in the next couple of years. Where, where's your level of uh, confidence that the season will be able to be finished? So do you guys watch Mad Men, or did you watch Mad Men when it was on? No. So there's this scene where this guy named Bob does something that really annoys people, and a guy walks into an elevator and looks at him and says, Not great, Bob, and I've always wanted to go on a talk show with a host named Bob so I could say, Not great, Bob. I'm glad glad I could be here for you. Season of the... I would love to say that I am really confident that they're going to be able to make it all the way to the end of September, uh, stage a postseason with 16 teams, and get through October and crown a champion. 
it's not easy. You know, when you have an outbreak like you did with the Miami Marlins, and now today uh, there are two more positive tests with clubhouse attendance uh, and a coach on the Marlins staff, uh, excuse me, on the Philly staff, it's like, okay, is this how it spreads? And did it spread from the Marlins? And if so, how much worse is it going to get? And then if there are two teams that have issues, what are we going to do? And, oh, by the way, uh, when it comes to scheduling, this then goes and affects other teams like the Yankees and like the Orioles and like the Phillies or, or like the Nationals. And, you know, it just has this effect where even when one team has borne the brunt of the outbreak, the rest of baseball, at least on the East Coast, is suffering for it right now. Hey, Jeff, I know I should have a follow-up question about the coronavirus and its impact on Major League Baseball, but instead I just want to veer off in a different direction. Uh, I used to be out on some trails with my dog in the mornings, and I would listen to some show called Brock and Salk. I, I don't know what happened to those guys. but uh, and, and so I'd hear the segment with you, and they called you a wet blanket, and boy, howdy, even came up with a, a song for you, calling you a wet blanket. Uh, how, how, did, how did all that come about? Also came about because I just told the truth about the Mariners. <laughs> you know, like my Brock especially. Like Mike was a little more realistic. Brock is just such an unmitigated homer, uh, and and especially when it came to the Mariners, he wanted to believe that everything in Marinerland was going to be great. And when they got off to that incredible start last season, it was lasting, and they were going to make the playoffs. And it's and, and I would just come in and give them the doses of truth that they needed to hear, and uh, they did not like it. Okay. Well, okay. I'm kind of with you when it comes to the Mariners a lot of times because, I, I, Jeff, I'm old enough to have been watching this franchise since 1977 when they started, and so as of last year, now they're the only team to have never made it to the World Series. I think this is even going back longer than 20 years because I think Ichiro came in 2001, right? I'm thinking back to the to the junior Edgar, Randy Johnson, Jay Buhner years. Like that was such a fun team to watch. Uh, they just haven't been a whole lot of fun to watch over you know the last two decades or so. I I do think this though, for for as wet blankety as I am capable of being, the idea of a Jared Kelenic. Kyle Lewis, Julio Rodriguez outfield, like speak tingling. Like, that's going to be a lot of fun. And I also think, and this is, this is equally important, I think they're doing a very good job of developing starting pitching in the minor leagues. Um, I think Logan Gilbert is a dude. He's going to be really good. I think George Kirby got off to a great start last year. And Emerson Hancock might have been the most single talented arm in the draft issues. That was Jeff Paston on with Bob, Dave, and more yesterday. And yes, I was part of the Brock and Salk show when that uh, was created, uh, just in case anybody's missing that jingle. Jeff Passon, the wet blanket, raining on parades, harsh and buzzes all day. They're going to have bad years coming up. Jeff Passon, the wet blanket. Shout out to Boy Howdy for that one, but uh, it lives on still, at least in my audio system. 
Up next on the Blitz, it is time for the hot list. Speaking of Major League Baseball, we've got some news. Uh, The Philadelphia Phillies canceled all activities at Citizens Bank Park over the weekend. What implications that will have. Also, the decision to go to seven-inning games in doubleheaders and Major League Baseball and the Players Union agreeing to a new set of rules that will punish players and team personnel who steal signs electronically. We'll uh, hear about what those punishments will be next in the hot list right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is The Blitz. It's time for The Hot List. Holy mackerel! The headlines for the day in sports every morning at 6.45. Heck yes! What are we missing here? A full breakdown of the top stories of today on your morning drive. Let's go! If you don't already subscribe to ESPN Daily, you should. Uh, Mina Kimes, also shameless Seahawks fan, doesn't hurt, but Mina, incredibly talented writer, radio host, podcaster, video, just just not a lot that she doesn't do, dog owner. But Mina also speaking with Dr. Anthony Fauci on a recent episode of the ESPN Daily podcast on, first of all, the reaction to what the Marlins outbreak now I think the count is up to 19. It was 18 yesterday. Now official count of players and staff member up to 19. But what that could mean for the rest of the Major League Baseball season, according to Dr. Fauci. I think we're going to have to see what happens over the next few days to a week. But I can tell you that a lot of good faith effort was put into this by the owners, by the player reps, by the players themselves. So I hope that this is just a temporary setback and that we can continue the season But again, the most important thing is the safety and the welfare of the players and of the personnel associated and the player's family, too. Because, you know, if you get infected, then you've got to be concerned about spreading it. Dr. Anthony Fauci, director of National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, also believing MLB will exercise good judgment when determining whether to continue or not. If another outbreak, just like the Marlins example, were to occur... Do you believe Major League Baseball should consider at that point suspending the remainder of its season? I mean, obviously they will. I mean, the one thing that I really have to avoid with this, because sometimes I say things in response to a simple question and it gets taken out of context. And someone will say, Fauci says stop the season. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I have enough faith in the good judgment of the people who are making that decision that it seems likely that they will at least consider that as a possibility if you have multiple outbreaks. Whether or not they're going to do it, I think I'll leave it up to their good judgment. Dr. Fauci also on what he thinks the NFL will look like. You know, I I, I don't want to get ahead of it, really, because, you know, when I do, it, it may get in the way of the kind of discussions and free decisions that they're trying to make. I, I would only say that they are aware, the players are aware, the player reps of the unions, etc. The league itself, the officials, are very, very aware of and sensitive to the fact that paramount among any consideration needs to be the safety and the welfare of the players, of the personnel associated with the team, and even indirectly, obviously, of the family members of the players. So I think that's going to be the prevailing theme that's going to guide the kinds of decisions they're going to make 
about just how this is going to look as we enter full-blown into the football season. Dr. Fauci also on talking to athletes about taking a vaccine. And the solution to that is to carefully engage and reach out to the community using representatives that the community trusts to try and get them to understand the importance to their own personal health as well as the health of society in general of why it's so important to get vaccinated because traditionally and we know this from a lot of experience fundamentally vaccines are very very safe interventions to prevent diseases some of which are very serious the only way we're going to ultimately nail down this pandemic so that it is something in the past and not something that we have to worry about continually is by a safe and effective vaccine so as i said i'm cautiously optimistic that we will get such a vaccine but we also have to work on the community outreach to get people to accept it as something that's highly beneficial to them and not something that needs to be avoided Mike Trout, you saw him missing from the Mariners game yesterday. His wife is scheduled to give birth to the couple's first child this summer. He was placed on the paternity leave list by the Angels on Thursday. His wife, Jessica, originally expected to deliver sometime in August. The limit for a stint on the paternity leave list is three days. Trout will continue his Tier 1 testing schedule while he's away. That means COVID-19 tests every other day for those who are asymptomatic. And as long as he continues to test negative, he can return to the Angels without any interruption. And it would not require any sort of quarantine as long as everything goes to plan negative tests. Um, Congratulations to them, by the way. Baby Trout, I'm sure already going to be a baller. Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association have agreed to a new set of rules that will punish players and team personnel who steal signs electronically. A big topic of discussion over the past 12 months. But the rules specifically state that any individual who utilizes electronic devices or visual enhancement devices during the game to identify, communicate, or relay the opposing team signs or pitch information will be subject to discipline. According to this report by ESPN, it was a confidential document that they obtained that outlines this. No Astros players were disciplined after the their MLB investigation in January revealed an elaborate uh, electronic sign stealing scheme utilized by the team in at least 2017 and 2018. MLB and the Players Association acknowledged at the time that rule changes needed to happen, that uh, discipline, potential discipline needed to be outlined and discussed. A detail in the new regulations uh, that seems to be a specific result of the Astro Science Ceiling Scheme is that no team is allowed to install or use any camera that captures an image of the catcher's signs. Players and team personnel can utilize any video from prior games if they want to try to identify an opponent's science or pitch information. Um, but as for the actual in-game footage... No. The only electronic devices allowed for use anywhere in the stadium, including the clubhouse, are the iPads provided by Major League Baseball with approved content, which may not be updated during the game. In terms of potential discipline or sanctions, MLB may discipline any individual who commits any violation to the regulations. Disciplines may include suspensions without pay or service. Teams, executives, and off-the-field personnel who commit any violations can also be fined, suspended, or lose benefits. So at least now a more clear outline of that. The two parties, both Major League Baseball and the Players Association, also agreeing yesterday to stage seven-inning doubleheaders beginning on Saturday, with a number of doubleheaders expected to take place because of rescheduled games due to current and potential coronavirus outbreaks, as well as the usual weather-related postponements that inevitably happen in baseball. Shortening doubleheaders to seven innings was a compromise that both sides could agree on pretty easily. 
Meanwhile, the Philadelphia Phillies, they have canceled all activities at Citizens Bank Park and had their weekend series against the Blue Jays postponed after a member of the coaching staff and a member of the home clubhouse staff tested positive for COVID-19. The team announced formally yesterday. The Phillies said no players have tested positive, though. As a result, Saturday's doubleheader and Sunday's game in Philadelphia have been postponed. Major League Baseball said it would coordinate with health experts and the Players Association concerning the Phillies' return to play. Um, yeah, it's the latest in a series of, sadly, these stories and scheduling changes for Major League Baseball, especially on the East Coast. Who else but Rudy Gobert sinking two free throws yesterday with 6.9 seconds left to cap off a 14.12 rebound performance uh, for the Utah Jazz, giving them a 106-104 victory over the New Orleans Pelicans in the first game of the NBA's restart on Thursday night. Yeah, why not? Also, I believe Gobert scoring the first points of that game. Uh, New Orleans, which led for most of the game and by as many as 16 points at one point, uh, nearly pulled off the victory as time expired with Brandon Ingram's three-point attempt. Unfortunately, it missed. He did have a 23-point night. Impressive for him, but uh, not enough to pull off the win. Zion Williamson, who missed nearly two weeks of practice after leaving the team for a family medical matter on July 16th, was deemed fit to start, but his playing time was limited. What did he think about being restricted there? They weren't holding me back uh... I was, yeah, I did want to be out there, but um, I'm just working my way back into my flow. That's all it is. It is frustrating, but it's not so frustrating because, you know, like, I could easily, they could probably not even let me play, but you know, I'm able to play, so I'm going to do as much as I can while I'm out there. Also yesterday, LeBron James had the go-ahead basket with 12.8 seconds left as the Lakers moved closer to Clinching the number one seed in the Western Conference playoffs, they topped the Los Angeles Clippers in the Battle of L.A. 103-101 on Thursday night. In the second game of the NBA's reopening doubleheader, Anthony Davis had 34 points yesterday. Not Not too shabby. LeBron James, 16 points, 11 rebounds, and 7 assists to help the Lakers move six and a half games games ahead of the Clippers in the West and seven games remaining. Uh, yesterday, he also spoke on that game-winning shot and why he loves having the ball down the stretch. Not a shock for LeBron. Yeah, I mean, um, I love having the ball in my hands, you know, late in the game, <clears throat> tie game, being down, uh, being up. You know, we had a, a three-point game like 40 seconds ago. We got a, um, you know, a great look for Danny. He missed it. Paul George came back and hit a, uh, hit a three to tie the game. And uh, for me, just try to, you know, be aggressive. You know, I feel like I got some contact at the elbow. Um you know, by, by Marcus Morris, and they didn't call it. Um, but, you know, like you know, like you was told when you was a kid, you know, to start playing basketball, if there's no whistle, you keep playing on. So I was able to follow my shot and, uh, you know, put us up, put us up for good. Also, some pretty powerful pregame demonstrations, uh, kneeling for the National Anthem, players linking arms for that. Doc Rivers, uh, Clippers head coach, on kneeling during the anthem and, opening his eyes as well. The hardest thing that happened to me in the game today was kneeling for two minutes, like my knee was hurt. And, and in the middle of it, I'm thinking, in two minutes, my knee is hurt. Yet there was a guy that had his knee on someone's neck for eight minutes. Think about that. The national anthem took two minutes. There were guys that needed towels and things to get under their knees. And yet someone kneeled on another human being's neck for eight minutes. And those messages uh, continuing to be spoken out by players. LeBron James also commenting on that game afterwards on Colin Kaepernick's influence on the social justice messages that they're trying to convey and get across. We also saw Black Lives Matter 
painted on the court yesterday, but the NBA, I thought, did an incredible job. Also, with the incorporation of their fans, the NBA always seems to be ahead, a, a step ahead of everybody, but it was cool to see how they were able to get virtual fans uh, on, on video screens behind the benches of teams. I thought that was really unique and cool. NFL training camps are underway right now, and yesterday marked our first opportunity to hear from All-Pro Safety, brand-new Seahawk Jamal Adams, a two-time Pro Bowler, also opening his media session with a plea for justice in the killing of Breonna Taylor, but also talked about how he can't believe this is where he ended up really excited to be in Seattle. You know, I asked God you know, to place me where I needed to be, whether that was to go back to New York or whether that's to be traded. And this is my calling, man. I'm here, I'm here to stay, and I'm I'm excited to be a Seattle Seahawk, like I said, and I'm, 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 I'm really overwhelmed. But at the same time, man, it, it's so surreal um, to be around great, uh, a great organization like Seattle um, and to, to be coached by um, legendary coaches, Hall of Fame coaches, playing with Hall of Famers um, from Russ to Bobby, KJ, Bruce Irvin, um, Quandre, the list goes on and on, man. I, I'm just excited to be, to be here. Um, I'm, I'm here to help. And, you know, I can't wait to get out there in front of the 12s. Jamal Adams also mentioning he's here to compete, that nothing's given to him, no starting role, always compete, where we heard that before. Also on, uh, talked about the chances that he's here long term. We've known he's been pretty vocal in New York about wanting that extension, but he says that uh, he wants to be here long term. The plan is to retire in Seattle. The plan is to retire here. You know what I mean? That That is my plan, but... Obviously, you know, those things handle themselves when, when all you have to do is just go on the field and perform, do the right things on and off the field. Um, and, and those things will take care of itself, man. So I'm, I'm very excited to be here. Um, I, I know the rest of the guys is, you know, excited to have me and um, the coaching staff and, and everybody else. So, I, again, man, we'll, we'll worry about that when the time comes. Jamal Adams also uh, on the chances he's here for long term says he just wants to focus on being a Seahawk right now. He's not focused on the contract, but cool to hear from him. I suggest checking out the full video of his interview online for you um, at Seahawks YouTube channel. That's a wrap for the hot list in the entire Blitz at Six Hour. Danny and Gallant coming your way next. Plus, remember, more Mariners uh, baseball action. They'll open their homestand this evening, and you can hear it right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Uh, Danny and Gallant next.